0: This is God's servant, Philip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed. In Jesus' name.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Such a wonderful presence of the Lord. Such a wonderful presence of the Lord. And I believe those of you that are tuning in or listening to us, I hope that you are experiencing the presence of God in your house or wherever you are, from where you're watching this. Maybe you watch this later on in this, the weeks ahead or I'm not sure, but uh, the presence of God makes all the difference. The presence of God makes a huge difference. Praise the Lord. It makes a huge difference. And like you were uh, spoken to in, in the prayer that was offered just uh, just earlier, uh, just deciding to come uh, just deciding to uh, log in and, and to watch the stream to sit down and pay attention there 's blessings there 's blessings uh, something amazing has already taken place. Praise God, something amazing is going to take place. Hallelujah praise God. And so, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, uh, yeah, it's bubbling, uh, uh, such a wonderful presence of God. He's so faithful. The Lord is so faithful. Amen. He's faithful. Praise God. Let's uh, let's read from Matthew chapter 5. We are on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we are doing the Beatitudes, so we are going to read from verse 1, and... um, as soon as we read verse 2, and it says, Jesus opened his mouth, we all shall open our mouths. Yes, and we shall respond oh, and declare the words of eternal life. Whew, what a privilege yeah. to echo the words of Jesus. When I mean, he's sitting on the throne, he's seated on the right hand, and uh, he is aware. Praise the Lord. He is aware of his church. And um, when we take his word back to him, it is very special. When we take his word back to him, when we read the word of God in response, we speak to God his word. It is very special. Thank you, Jesus. So let me read from verse 1. It says, Matthew chapter 5, and verse 1 it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in hearts, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Amen. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Let's read verse 12 together. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Praise God. This is what the Lord does in the inauguration of his ministry. Yeah, as he draws the disciples close to him, this is, his, uh, this is the introduction he lays down, the foundation he lays down for the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to read from uh, a wonderful uh, uh, Bible study tool. It's called Bible Speaks Today. And I would like to read just a few quotes and, and uh, let's see how we move forward with that. Pay attention. The Christian life, praise the Lord. Are you a pilgrim, yes, on your journey in the Christian life? Yes, Dami? Michael, you are a pilgrim in the journey. We are a pilgrim on a journey. Those of you watching me, there are so many definitions that we, we accept. So many definitions we think about from morning to evening. There are so many definitions of ourselves that we imbibe from newspapers and from our schools and, and I don't know from where all. But I want you to know, first and foremost, you are a pilgrim. Yes. Praise the Lord. Glory. You're not of this world. Yes, yes you're, on, you're on a journey. Praise God. We considered that two weeks back. We're on a journey. Hallelujah. The Christian life as outlined in the Sermon on the Mount is clear and it, it, uh, it affects everything. The Christian life affects everything. The citizens of the kingdom, they have another name. The citizens of the kingdom, or in other words, the disciples, praise God. Who is a citizen of the kingdom of God? A disciple of Jesus. Amen. You, that is your, the, the nature of your citizenship. You are a disciple. Disciples are called to put God first in their motives. It's a wonderful Bible teaching. If you study the uh, sermon, it's difficult to escape. It's difficult to escape the emphasis Jesus is, is putting on these areas, motives. Praise God. Motives. What motivates you? Motivation to get up in the morning. I know that some of you in some time or some day of your life, you probably just want to lay down on that bed. Maybe some of you experience that more frequently. I don't know. It is possible. You don't feel motivated. You've got to realize Jesus is your motivation. You have a task before you, you have a subject to study. Jesus is your motivation. Praise the Lord. Your motives and actions. Your business. Praise the Lord. The principles of business in the Sermon on the Mount. The way the business we are engaged in. Jesus wants to be involved. Praise God. Jesus wants to be involved. And we must say, praise God. Jesus, won't be, Jesus wants to be involved in your drumming. Jesus wants to be involved in your cooking. Jesus wants to be involved in your talking. Your business, your language. I hope as I'm saying these things that I'm I'm speaking to those many of you watching uh, today's live stream as well. I, I, I believe many of you have um, were ones who by-hearted the entire sermon. I hope that as I mentioned these things, motivation, action, language, what, it, what else a business. I hope those scriptures that you by-hearted are coming up in your mind. Your language, let your yes. Your language, your thought life. If any man thinks in his heart. Your thought life. And your priorities. See, first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added onto you. My, that is, um, this is the complete package. Jesus wants all of you. He wants your motivation. He wants... The way you play football, Jesus must affect the way you play football. Yesterday I had a wonderful time, Ben. You were missed. Yes, a wonderful time. Uh, it's so nice to play with believers, and um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a wonderful time. Yeah, I'm sure during the Bible study things are going to come up, but let's let's take it that way. So the way you play football needs to be affected. See right from the beginning blessed are the poor in spirit Jesus is does not want a, a, a uh, he does not want a group of disciples or um, fans that do not change the first words out of his mouth are concerning change that you are to confess your need to change praise god your life must come under Jesus' royal control. We are so used to democracy, aren't we? We're so used to democracy. So I do not know if you, you if, I don't know if any of you have been under any kings. I spent about 10 to 11 or 12 years, I'm not sure how much. Uh, under a kingship. If you're wondering, where was he? (laughs) Some of you are so immersed in this, you know, uh, democracy, in this language of democracy and all that stuff, you you, you probably don't know. There are a lot of kingdoms still in this world, (laughs) ruled by royal families, kings. And um, so I know how that feels. I can uh, recollect some of that, but uh, many of you probably don't know. See, if you get up in the morning your entire day can change according to how the king feels. You know, our prime minister would like to get to that place, but <laughs> over there in Kuwait, you get up in the morning, it can be a holiday because the sheikh felt like giving you a holiday. His dog wasn't well. Just, just like that. And uh, <laughs> So coming under royal control, You're not under democratic control. I think the church is a little confused. You know, portions of the church are a little confused because we think we have a choice We, we, in the sense. (laughs) We think we have this uh, sort of multiple choice so we can vote on it. Seriously, we think that um, we can vote on on, uh, these subjects because, you know, let's debate this, let's debate that. I don't mind debates. But where the Scripture says something out there is no gray there is no debate yeah where the scripture is not yeah it's clear it's clear so we must come under royal control you feel like that i'm under the control of royalty think about it for a moment that's why jesus said seek first his kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. Praise the Lord. Shake the democracy off. Shake it off, shake it off. When it comes to the church and how you function in the church and how you function in your uh, personal walk with God, uh, this is the, the, the kind of effect that Esther had. It's the kind of effect, you get my drift? All of the Christian's life must come under royal control. And unlike any human royalty, this person never leaves you nor forsakes you. There are two ways to look at that. One, it is great encouragement. Number two, it must be also inspiring great obedience. Amen. Where can I go from you? There's no place I can go and hide. Let your life come under The Sermon on the Mount underlines, and I want to minister to those who are listening to us, the Sermon on the Mount underlines that we serve a king. We serve a king. Jesus is king. Let your life come under his control. Royal control. Royal control. Royal control. Praise God. To follow Jesus demands a totally different way of life. Yes? To follow Jesus demands a completely different way of life. Like I told you, the Michael of 2021 is not the Michael of 2022. Because Michael is changing. David is changing. Each of us are changing. Changing. Constantly changing. It demands a difference, a totally different way of life. And um, we, right at the offset of his ministry, Jesus lays it on the line. He straight out tells us, this is what I can't understand. Uh, I don't, I, I. I, uh, we don't have excuses. We do not have excuses. Right at the door, the Lord Jesus has instructed us this is the deal praise the Lord praise God he has told us right at the door if you're stepping across this line then change is required if you're stepping across this line then change is required praise God we sing those songs the things I used to do I do them no more we sing those songs. Where is the inspiration of those songs? People that have experienced the Holy Spirit convicting them that we must change. Praise the Lord. I, 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 you know, we must hear this often because we, we, um, we sort of settle into uh, the way we are. We settle into, we allow certain parts of our lives to sort of uh, no longer be under the scrutiny of the King of Kings. A new age has dawned upon you. Amen. All things are new. A new age has dawned upon you. Praise the Lord. The Sermon on the Mount shows what human life is like after repentance and commitment to the King. Can I repeat that? Can I repeat that? The Sermon on the Mount shows us what human life should be like after repentance and commitment to the king. You know, it's not a bunch of sort of loose, nice advice. The Sermon on the Mount is not some loose collection of, um, you know, nice sayings of the teacher Jesus. Their are requirements that we must pay very close attention. If you're planning to get married, you must observe the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount and apply it. If you're planning to get married, if you are married, if you are in whatever stage of life, you must apply the principles of the Sermon on the Mount wherever you are. Daily. You know, studying this, I realize we can't switch off. We cannot switch off. And the only way to stay switched on is to read it again and, again and again and again and again and again and again and memorize it and commit it to memory and ask the Holy Spirit to convict us and to keep us on the knife's edge of God's word. We must sense the knife edge of God's word for lack of a better description on our throats. Every day, in every single motive, thought, action, the knife of God's word, you must sense it, you must feel it at your throat. Praise the Lord. I love the quietness in this place. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. In a word, after meeting Jesus, life is different. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whenever we meet Jesus, life changes. Whenever we meet Jesus, life changes. When we met Jesus, life changed. Whenever we meet him, it changes. When you have your quiet time, your life must change. In the, in the, when you have your prayer time, your life must change. Tears of joy, tears of repentance outcries of commitment must be heard between you and God did you hear me did you hear me it must be a a committed relationship it must be a committed emotional um, uh, engaged relationship you cannot read the Sermon on the Mount without feeling uncomfortable if you're reading it and feeling very comfortable, <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're probably not getting it. Every other scripture, every other verse of the Sermon on the Mount, I feel a knife on my throat. You, I hope you get what I'm trying to co- communicate here. It, it, it reminds me that there is such a great standard, that there is such great change expected. Can your yes be yes? I I love the way you are all thinking about the answer. I love it. That's the kind of, you know, I hope that's the reason. Yeah? That's the kind of knife at your throat effect it should be. Because the answer you can say is no, or you can say yes, which you must think very carefully about. Because let your yes be yes. I mean, I do not know how we can be comfortable reading the Sermon on the Mount uh, and not change. There are two, uh, I want to highlight two phrases that you find in the Sermon on the Mount, um, quickly. Matthew chapter 6, we find it in that verses 7 to 8, first phrase. Actually, let's do Matthew 5.20 first because that comes earlier. Matthew five twenty, Jesus says uh, these two phrases. um, These two phrases um, bring out the the uh, result Jesus is expecting from his disciples. Uh, Matthew chapter five and verse twenty says, "For I say to you, say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses, everybody say surpasses. Surpasses. Say "surpasses." surpasses. What does it mean? Surpasses." Huh? Greater any other word? Beyond to, to transcend. There are so many words I'm, I'm um, you know, tell me what? exceeds hmm? crosses overtakes overtakes. Okay. Huh? Excels beyond whom? The Pharisees. In other words, the Pharisees will look at how the Christian is behaving and go, Oh, what's going on? Another one we find in Matthew chapter 6. So two phrases. One, righteousness surpasses. Everybody say righteousness surpasses? So let's, let's use the whole phrase. Righteousness surpasses the, Righteousness surpasses the Pharisees. And the other one we find in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and uh, I will read from verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> it says, when you are praying, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And then verse 8. Second phrase. Do not be like them. Right from the onset, you know. Nowadays, you know, the church is uh, uh, a lot of churches, or there's this idea in, in a lot of people's mind that we might become so camouflaged that the world cannot see the difference. No, the Gentiles must see the difference. The Jews, the Pharisee, must see the difference. A righteousness, a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees and do not be like them. <clears throat> Praise God. Praise God. When, uh, when those that, that come and join us to play football, yeah, when they step into the court with us, they must see a contrast. The way we, as believers, apply the Sermon on the Mount. How we follow Christ in the way we play the game. They must see the contrast. Yesterday, of course, in certain cases, you know, I mean, Vinoy takes this to a level. Yesterday, the ball, I mean, the person who kicked the ball, I was defending... So the person that kicked the ball kicked it you know I don't know I think he thought the goal was I mean that's that's normal he he, he kicked it with all his might I believe and uh, it went and thrashed against the post rebounded and hit me on somewhere over here and Binoy is in my team okay I'm doing uh, defending Binoy is there and um, I'm hearing Binoy's voice penalty penalty right because it had you know, been in the vicinity of the hand. I was like, wow, this man is righteous. <laughs> I mean, he is righteous, uh, you know. <laughs> and I'm trying to tell him, he just rebounded off the post. I couldn't do anything about it. It's, it's a penalty. I said, okay, penalty. <laughs> oh. Of course, right after that. Anyway, praise God. Let's stay focused. <sighs> there must be a contrast. The way you drive your car, there must be a change. There must be a contrast. It's not the same. You don't drive like the people of the world. Your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisee. Praise God. A sharp contrast is constantly drawn. Jesus constantly brings the sharp contrast between the teachings and standards of the kingdom of God and everybody else i was uh, I was lamenting with to my wife the other day that the best husbands on the planet should be in the church. No amens, no all of you being only one man has one bachelor has has spoken the amen. The best husbands on the planet should be found in the church. Paul, this is an important amen. Yes, the best husbands. On the planet should be found in the church. Best wives on the planet should be found in the church. Hallelujah. You get my drift. Yes, you get the drift of God's word. The best cooks on the planet should be found in the church. The best musicians on the planet should be found. In the church, praise God. What does it say in verse one? It says, "When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the on the on the mountain." Uh, the mountain is a very. Uh, um, I, I, I want to share this with you. I, I desire to share this with you. So, um, mountains are a topic that the Gospels uh, and the Bible uh, frequently mention. Yes, there's a mountain in the many mountains in the Old Testament, and there are many mountains in the New Testament. Those of you are getting it. I'm I'm hoping for a loud praise God, because uh, suddenly you know, you realize there's something going on here. There are peaks, there are mountains in the gospel stories. And these mountains represent certain principles that must be active in the, in the Christian as well. The mountains of your life should fall in line with the f- mountains and what took place at those mountains in the gospel stories are you following with me are you following with me are you following with me yes Matthew chapter 4 there's a mountain in Matthew chapter 4 Matthew chapter 4 is before Matthew chapter 5 hmm it's called the mountain of temptation Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, the devil took him to a very high and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. This is the mountain of temptation. Have you noticed how when uh, a temptation of a certain sort comes your way, it's like a mountaintop experience in one, one way. I'm just allowing the spirit to get the conviction going here. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you did, it can either be a mountain of victory or a mountain of defeat. Realize this, the devil, you know, he, he brings temptation. Maybe some of you are going to face some temptation in the in the coming weeks realize that it is a mountain do you know what i'm talking about what is so distinctive about a mountain michael what is distinctive about a mi- about a mountain you can see it from afar off it stands out in the In your horizon, right? So I want you to know that if you... Every temptation you face... And... uh, For the sake of um, our sort of understandings... Every major temptation you face... Can become a mountain. It affects... Your life. Like a mountain has an effect on a large, um, yeah, like a large geographical area, so also temptation has the potential to either be a mountain of victory or something that you need to deal with. You, un- you understand? Something that can discourage you or depress you until you allow God to bring that valley down. I mean, sorry, bring that mountain down. Do you understand? So the reason I'm underlining this is that do not take temptation. I do not, uh, I, I, those of you listening to us as well, I do not know what is in store for you as far as temptation that Satan may bring, but God is warning you, forewarning you, that that be a mountain of victory. Let that be a mountain of victory. Michael, let that be a mountain of victory. Where you choose to walk with Jesus. And be victorious. So that's one mountain. Do we know where this mountain is? Bible study. So let's consider. Do we know where this mountain is? Where the devil took Jesus? If you were to study the... uh, Yeah, if you were to look into this... Nobody knows which mountain this is. Yeah, and if you were to consider things like what happened with Stephen, it could be any mountain. It could be Mount Everest for all you know. It could be Mount K2, I do not know. Or it could be a vision. Okay, that's one mountain that's mentioned in the Gospels. The other one is the mount where the sermon was taught. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So if you were to look at the Gospels, see, imagine this with me. If you were to look at the Gospels, these mountains are like the peaks. Yeah, you see that? They're like the peaks. They, they draw your attention. They demand your attention. And um, praise God. <clears throat> the Sermon on the Mount. So a mount that is declaring teaching this evening this is a mount. <clears throat> this is a mountaintop experience. When you study the Bible and you sit at the feet of Jesus, you are on a mountaintop experience. Hallelujah. Do we know where the Sermon on the Mount took place? Hmm? Have you looked into... See, one thing I, I want to I also share this, one of the sort of tertiary reasons is that when you go for a trip to Israel, realize that the tour companies will take you all around the place and tell you this is this and this is that. Uh, get your facts in order, Yes. We are not sure where the Sermon on the Mount took place, where that mount was. Some think Mount Eremo, some think Mount Arbel, and you're thinking, I never heard these mountains. And um, it could be the horns of Hatton, we don't know, location is not clear. But that uh, teaching is that right now, as you hear the Holy Spirit, this is a mountain experience that will influence your whole life. That will influence your whole life. It has a huge effect. What's the next mountain? In the Gospels. Yes, the Mount of Transfiguration found in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. You don't have to go there, but the Mount of Transfiguration. What happens there? What happens in the Mount of Transfiguration? Huh? Say it loudly. Jesus? Jesus? Huh? I can't hear you. Somebody say, say it clearly. Jesus is transfigured. That's right. At the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is transfigured. So, what, what happened to Jesus? Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus and. And? Yeah. Are you worried about being wrong or it's. No. Okay. So, then why? Speak with confidence. This is Bible study. People, speak with confidence. It's where Jesus is glorified. Praise God. Do we know where that is? In Israel, do we know where that mount is? Well, uh, this is one of the traditions that go back uh, quite a long years. I think some, uh, even some 1,600 years ago. Uh, people were claiming that this was the mount, so we, it could be possible. It's the one, but we don't know. Mount Tabo, okay. Traditionally, that is what it's considered, but again, we are not sure. Connection to us. Jesus takes us from glory to glory. Glory is part of the Christian life. Amen transfiguration changing and becoming more like Jesus having the glory of God come in and through us that's right these are um, you know if I could I, I wish I wish I could no matter how young you you are I wish I could make each of you stand up and tell me about your mount of transfiguration some of you are going me mount of transfiguration I've had many where I saw the glory of God descend upon my life. Where I saw the glory of God descend upon my life. The glory of heaven was revealed in my life. These are, these are the mountains in your life. This must be something you recollect easily. Right now, looking at your facial expressions, and I don't know what's happening at home with those of you listening, you're, uh, it's almost like you're finding this difficult to understand or grasp. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus wants you to behold his glory. He wants your life to be filled with these mountains. Mountains of victory over temptation. Somebody say glory to God. Mountains of victory over temptations. If your life is a is a is a stretch of mountains of defeat to temptation, something is wrong. That's right. You need to learn from these mountains. Of Christ's victory over temptation. Of Christ's transfiguration. Of Christ's teaching. I mean the mountains in your life should be the teachings of Jesus. The mountains in your life. Whenever, wherever you are, you look to that mountain. Where does my help come from? Hallelujah. You have mountains of transfiguration. Glory, glory, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. Yes, you have moved from one area of glory to... This is the process that should have been happening in your Christian life. I want to read scripture, scriptures. John chapter 17, verse 22. So you understand that Jesus is literally wanting to transfigure you. So you can expect these things and also celebrate these things and uh, understand that these are mountains in your life. John chapter 17, verse 22. Jesus says, the glory which you have given me. What? The glory which you have given me, I have. So this is an experience that every Christian can have through his life. I don't know if you're getting it. Are you getting it, church? There are moments of glory. There are moments of glory. Experiences of the Holy Spirit that are otherworldly. Provision of God that, that, that uh, stupefies those around you. praise the Lord moments of such wisdom pouring out from your lips that they wonder who your teacher is glory glory everybody say glory. glory I feel like giving you a homework you don't have to submit it to me hmm I don't want you to submit it to me but uh, You can at least tell me you did it. You know, this week, those of you that have been believers for more than two years, you know, make a list of mountains of transfiguration in your life. Because I I don't think you get it. These things are to be the mountains in your life. That's why Peter later on says we, we saw the glory. We experienced the glory. Because Jesus wants you to experience his glory. John 17:22 tells me that that glory is given to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 you are familiar with this passage, but we all with unveiled, unveiled face, 2 Corinthians 3:18. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory. Hallelujah. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. As we behold the face of the Lord in his word, that word that comes into effect in our lives, glory to glory. Hallelujah. I think these years and these demarcations we have of time is so that we can see, we can uh, stretch it out. Glory to glory. Glory, yes. Move with the cloud. The cloud of glory, the Holy Spirit. Praise God. If this has not been your case, start the journal. Start writing down the glorious things the Lord has done in your life. Praise God. Write it down. Yes, and let them become mountains that you constantly look at. Finally, the most famous mountain in the Gospels. Huh? Yeah. um, I understand. There's another one where a couple of things happened. The Mount of Olives. Yes, the Mount of Olives. What does Olives represent? Wow, huh? Yes, it does represent prosperity, yes. But something through the history of Israel. Huh? You said something. Oil. It is the mountain of anointing. It anointed kings and prophets. And when you start to look at this, you'll Jesus frequented this mountain. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that oil which anointed kings and prophets, it was the place um, in the vicinity of the, of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a place Jesus frequented for prayer. Praise the Lord. Prayer is one of the mountains in your life. Wow. I hope your prayer times are mountains in your life. That you have a, a time of prayer and you step out. It's like coming out from the mountain. Coming down from the mountain. Praise the Lord. Is that how your prayer time is? Your prayer time should be like Jesus coming down from the mountain after he had spent time with his father. See how important prayer time is to spend time speaking to God. And when you come out of that place, realize it is the mountain of prayer. Something tremendous has happened. Your whole day is going to be different because you prayed. Your week is going to be different because you prayed. You may have sown in tears, but as you come down the mountain, there is rejoicing in what you are going to see God do in your life. Your prayer time must be a mountain. I hope you've had a mountain experience with your prayer time this week. Hallelujah. Oh, no, we have all other kinds of mountains, don't we? What are these other mountains that we have in our lives? Hmm? What are these other mountains we're so excited about? Like we spoke earlier, shake, to shake off You know democracy and get into being ruled by the king shake off the other mountains i do not know what is a mountain in your life your prayer time a time where you experience the anointing of the holy spirit is that a is that a mountain experience michael or is the you know is it uh, anything else because nothing else compares nothing else is going to work if other things are mountains in your life the things that by which you judge your life the by how you define your life if it's the other anything else Mount of Olives is also the mount where Jesus bids farewell to his disciples Mm. and sends the Holy Spirit. It is also the mountain that's found in Zechariah where that feet, it is the mountain of God's Jesus return. Amen. In the same place. He'll split it. He'll become, you know, what a description that is. Let's read that one. Zechariah chapter 14. We must read this. The Mount of Olives. In that day, hope you're there, Zechariah chapter 14 and uh, verse 4 and I'll probably read verse 5 as well. In that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in the middle. Please imagine this. Yeah, you're wasting your imagination on a lot of other rubbish. Yeah, stuff that's copying the things that are in scripture, like all these Hollywood movies. They're copying, a lot of it is copied Scripture. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large, can you imagine that? So that half of the mountain will move toward the north. My heart uh, beats faster when I read these things. Half the mountain will move toward the north, the other half toward the south. You will flee by the valley of of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come and all the holy ones with him. Praise God. These are the mountains of your life. Praise the Lord. Let every other mountain be brought low. The mountains of, of your experiences with the Holy Spirit, let it be brought up. And our expectancy to see Jesus. Praise God. These are the mountains in your life. You know, we have a wrong understanding that, and we give other things a, um, uh, we, we lift them up. We lift a lot of other things up. Stop lifting those things up. Your failures are buried in the sea. Amen. It's buried in the sea. Let your prayer time become a mountain. Let your time spent with studying God's word become a mountain. Someone say Amen. This is for you, Michael. Let your prayer times become the mountain of your life. Let your study of God's word become a mountain in your life. Let it be clear for all to see. Let your anointing, let the anointing that is upon your head, praise God, give in, give in to the anointing, give in to the anointing. Michael desire to experience the power of the anointing this year. Yes, experience the power of the anointing. Let it become a mountain. Let it rise up. Let the return of Jesus be the greatest. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the mountain you're looking to. You're looking forward to. It's your journey. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to quickly remind you that the Beatitudes all begin with the word blessed. 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 You've heard it before, I'll say it again. Blessed. Say it with me blessed. It's like a a lightning bolt, a lightning bolt that strikes human religion. The Beatitudes, because it says, "You will be made happy by God." Your Christian life is not that you're you're, you get uh, more and more bogged down. It is not that you become more and more, um, yes, downcast. Your Christian life is brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter because if you notice the Beatitudes, you run through the Beatitudes, everything that could possibly be negative is turned to positive. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who what's it say? Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be And it just goes on and on. Joy. Joy, yes, the joy of our salvation. You are to grow in joy. Praise the Lord. The Debbie of 2022 is a more joyous Debbie. Hmm? The Dammy of this year is a more joyous Dammy the joy of the Lord let the joy of the Lord arise Let the joy of the Lord arise let the joy of the Lord arise there are many who think religion is a sad and miserable affair the kingdom of God is very different righteousness peace joy in the Holy Ghost Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God. That's right. That's the kingdom of God. Grow in joy. Grow in joy. I give you license. You know, the Holy Spirit's given you license to become more joyful. It's God's plan for you. Yes, it's God's plan for you. Jesus says again and again like we read and we uh, echoed again and again blessed 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 happy 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 What's God's will for you? Joy being blessed Hallelujah thank you Jesus it is as if Jesus is saying that the life in the kingdom with him is a life of profound joy. Profound joy. Better than any makeup. Profound joy. Profound joy. Say profound joy. Profound. What a profound? What does it mean? Strange. Profound means strange. It's, it's, it's uh, deep, it's, um, it's thought-provoking, the joy that you have. See, I don't know what kind of character you came into the kingdom with, that character needs to change. There is a new character the Lord wants you to put on, and it's incredible the Holy Spirit speaking um, the same. Uh, rejoice, rejoice, hey, hey, uh, uh, while you sit and listen to Bible study, Rejoice. profound joy blessed blessed in verse 6 it says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be one of the things that this uh, scripture reminds me of uh, is one of the slogans of the world i can't get no satisfaction one of the slogans of the world i just not satisfied Is that your mantra as well? Or have you found satisfaction? Have you found satisfaction? Fullness of life. Have you found satisfaction? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be. What's the secret to satisfaction? Praise the Lord. Are you getting it? What is the secret of satisfaction? For? Godliness is a means of great gain, righteousness brings satisfaction. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. The words that are used here for hunger and thirst is the same words used for food. Remember the last time you were hungry? I know my wife, yes. The entire journey this side, she was teaching me the experience of hunger. And we were praying we would get here at a certain time so that we could solve the hunger issue. Hunger. Same word, hunger. You know, all these people sitting here looking so, um, so dignified. Huh? All so dignified. If I kept you here for three days... No food. <laughs> hunger. Same word, hunger. You know what happens to you if you miss a meal? Abel? Huh? What happens to you if you miss a meal? Huh? You feel hungry. Personalities change. Ah, you feel, feel, everybody heard that, right? You start to feel angry. Hunger and anger goes together. <laughs> what else happens to you? Huh? You become irritable. What else, what else? Yeah, the word famished describes hunger. Some, somebody was saying something in the back. They start to grumble. You don't know what grumbling is till people get hungry. Hunger has such an effect on us. We speak to our wives. We start to, We start to doubt the commitment of our parents if we start getting hungry. Same word. Same word is used. Hunger. Same word. How did Jesus use the same word? I mean, parents, you know how your children tell you, I'm hungry. I mean, it's the deepest communication your child has with you. Right. you it's one of the deep... The huh? <laughs> Before they learn the language. It's a very deep communication. I mean, I, am, I hear it almost every day. And it's a very deep connection. I am very hungry. I am very hungry. Hunger. Praise God, Hunger. How many times do we eat a day to make sure that we are not hungry? Michael, what do you think? How many times do we, huh? huh? I should ask your parents, how many times does he eat in a day to stay not hungry? I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, five times a day? All of you, he's telling me three times and all. <laughs> Including the snacking and the frequent visits to the fridge, some people, you know, this whole hunger thing is so oh, such a such a defining thing in their life. They open the fridge just for the sake of opening it. Why are you opening the fridge? Because you know that hunger for food is that that defining. It's so mm, so deep in you. It's so ingrained inside of you. Food, food, food. Same word Jesus is using. I mean, if Jesus did not do this, I don't think any of us would do this. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? If Jesus did not use this, would we ever use this? Hunger for righteousness? You know, we read all this, you know, I don't think we're really, (laughs) yeah, I don't think we're letting it fall on us the way the Lord has desired for it to fall on us. Hunger for righteousness? Ben, what's dinner plans? Huh? What's that? (laughs) Depends. Lito's house. See, check it out. It's all planned. It's all, you know, and... uh, (laughs) Or oh, maybe it's not planned. Are you planning to crash into snow? no no? So, I mean, huh? You it. I did. When? Right <laughs> <laughs> He's watching, is it? <laughs> so you know something we plan, we plan towards. I mean, you can hear it right at the end of the meeting. <laughs> you can hear that stirring. Pastor? <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> huh? it moves us, doesn't it? Hunger moves us. We've got the whole day chalked out according to hunger. Not according to quiet time, according to hunger. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in advance. How much planning we do, it's there in the notes. How much planning we do to sort the hunger For? For? Not, is it, help me out, I'm talking about food. What planning? Days are chalked out. Gas is in the house. There's a cooker in the house. There's a fridge upstairs, downstairs. There's a microwave. There's There's a pantry. There's a room dedicated to food. The most active room in the house. That's a result of... No, it's not the result of, uh, you know... It's because there is... We need to solve something called... Uh, say the word, hunger. If I'm making you more hungry, then my purpose is achieved. <laughs> hunger. And Jesus is using this of righteousness. Is there a room in your house dedicated to righteousness? You have a library dedicated to righteousness? Because, you know, you have a pantry dedicated to righteousness? Has righteousness had such an impact on you that you plan the day according to righteousness? Because Jesus is using the same... And if there is something that is even more powerful than hunger, it is thirst. I mean, the number of um, bottles are increasing, you know. We have a bottle for the church, a bottle for the house, a bottle for upstairs, a bottle for downstairs. I'm just using it as an illustration, no problem. Have as many bottles as you want. But that is the power of thirst. It is even more powerful than hunger. I remember, I can never forget, I decided in my religious fervor to fast three days without food and water. You know, because I wanted to prove my spirituality. About six hours into the (laughs) exercise, my mouth became thorns and thistles my throat gave me a revelation of thirst I began to croak it was it was um, it was a terrible experience and I told the Lord Lord I'm sorry for my hypocrisy <laughs> I cannot do this without the Holy Spirit Thirst is moving isn't it isn't thirst moving It's move, dammy. (laughs) And Jesus uses the same word again. For righteousness first. Think about that, church. Think about it. Jesus taught us the Holy Spirit inspired and had this passed on to us that we may think about it do we have a innate moving hunger for righteousness a thirst for righteousness do we can we even go to the next part of this we need to examine do we even qualify for the first part of it blessed are those who in other words, at least five times a day, they have made plans for what they're going to do in connection with righteousness. They have bottles in every place so that they can quench their their desire for righteousness. One of the things that that um, uh, bothered me that that uh, is, is, I don't know if we can. Proceed till we at least think about this. Do you feel the hunger for righteousness? That I want to receive something from God. I need to hear from the Lord. I I can't. I I, I need to. I need to. We got to make some plans. I have to make some plans that today I, I receive from God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And how true it is. When we start to realize, huh, as we start to become more aware that we are really, 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 really in need of righteousness. This is the... the sort of the master deception of the father of lies that man can live by bread alone he tried it on jesus as well turn the stone That's why recently uh, Gabby came up to me and she asked me the question. She was bothered by the scripture where Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. If our definition for those who are alive are those who eat bread, then uh, we have a problem to sort with the way Jesus constructed that. We are so keen for the bread of this life. Am I right? We won't go to sleep without it. We won't go through the day without it, the bread of this life. We must realize that our greatest need, and like Jesus told, uh, like Jesus told Mary, only one thing is needed. What was Martha doing? Do you understand what is your deepest need? If you think your deepest need is food and water, you are sadly mistaken. Your deepest need, church, people, anyone that's hearing me, your deepest need goes beyond bread and water. You need the bread of heaven. You need the bread of heaven. You need the word of God active in your life. Otherwise, you fall into the definition That Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. So I want you to pray about it. If the Holy Spirit has convicted you, pray. Lord, seek the face of the Lord and say, Lord, I want to sense that hunger for righteousness. The thirst for righteousness. Before we get into righteousness and and what the Bible has to teach about righteousness, we need a hunger and thirst. We need a hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is not taught in your schools. They tell you what are the basic needs of man. Food, clothing, shelter. The Bible adds. The Bible adds righteousness. Praise the Lord. Jesus used the same language as food because it's a constant need. Hmm yeah hunger and thirst are constant drives it's a constant need it's a constant need you need you need spiritual food today and this evening that is what's taking place and this is uh, you know it is so precious the times that you spend with god it is so precious It is a prerequisite according to the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. The hunger and thirst for righteousness is parenthesis. The bracket on this side is blessed. The bracket on the other side is... Let's do that again. In In this Beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There are two brackets to that. It is, and on one side it is blessed, on the other side it is? You're getting this, church? It is a prerequisite to all happiness. Yesterday's game of football was so enjoyable, for there was righteousness working there. Be aware of these things. It is a prerequisite to all happiness i mean a happiness that is full a happiness righteousness is the ultimate heightener of pleasure you can write that down righteousness is the ultimate heightener for pleasure sexuality in righteousness is the heights no one experienced those heights of pleasure than the one who has chosen to be righteous. You were saying? We? Yeah. yeah, you eat better when you, pr- even your eating is more effective. Your, the food, you know, in my life, it is a testimony. I'm telling you, I discovered and understood what taste is. It has been a journey of my salvation life the more of righteousness poured into my life, the more I enjoyed this great gift called food. And look at how it is constructed in Scripture. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 16, verse 11. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Don't run away from God. Get close to God. That is the way to enjoy this life. Get close to God. It heightens the experience. Oh my. You will make known to me the path of life. Glory. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand. What is his right hand? His righteous right hand. His righteous right hand. It says, your right hand, there are pleasures that will not be exhausted. A high that never stops. Praise the Lord, a high that never stops. A water you drink that you never thirst. He has food to eat which you do not know of. That's what Jesus told his disciples. I have food to eat you do not know of. Let him not let let not the Lord say that to us. I hope you're living on that food. Righteousness. Joy. Peace. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.
0: Thank you, Lord, that you've spoken so much to us this evening. What has come to us, even as we asked of you at the start of this. Bible study, that that we may learn new things, taught us some new things, some new things. Thank you Lord, your servant spoke to us in clarity, we we heard your word, we heard the clarity in your word, we heard the, the sound of correction, the sound of gentle correction, correction of love. You spoke to us in, in in love and gentleness. Your gentleness makes us great. Your gentleness makes us great. Even this evening, Lord, the gentleness of this teaching. The, the teaching was strong, the teaching was heavy. But you spoke over us, Lord, with such gentleness. Thank you, Lord, that today, from today, pray, Lord, that your people will respond to this word. And as we heard today, Lord, that They'll pay attention to the mountains, the mountains, the defining mountains in the gospel. That we may look at those mountains. When we are on top of mountains, we will look at those mountains which Christ has scaled, which Christ has triumphed his teachings, his overcoming, his transfiguration. Thank you, Pa. Those mountains, the mountain of anointing. May those mountains be clear. In a line of vision. In a line of vision, that we may live according to what we perceive and learn. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're all starting today. We'll make room for the glory of God. We'll make room. We'll make room for thirst. We make room for hungering after righteousness. And just like, Lord, how we, how we deal with the hunger and thirst in the physical, Lord, we want to plan, we want to be prepared to deal with the hunger and thirst after, after righteousness. That in our homes, it, we will see a change. The way we arrange our rooms, the way we arrange our rooms, the way we plan our day, our schedule, our schedule will undergo a change starting today. And as your your people respond today, I pray, Lord, a special grace over them. A special grace over them, Lord, to stick to what you're teaching them, to to respond and to to continue on, to persevere, to bring a discipline. That we may be filled, we may be satisfied by that which truly satisfies. By that which truly satisfies the voice of God, the word of God, which satiates which the longest, the deepest longing of the soul. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Come to every single person here. Thank you, Lord. We're going to hear testimonies. We're going to hear testimonies of how this teaching, this study has impacted and how it has caused, brought about a change in the way we live our lives. Thank you, Lord. We're going to see the the results, the harvest of, of, of the obedience to your word. The days ahead, Lord. We're going to see that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us once again that we are called to live a life of joy, full of joy, full of happiness, real joy giver. Jesus is the real joy giver. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us so clearly. Come at Uh, Each of us into your hands, Father. Till we meet again, we pray that you will watch between us. Wherever we are, Lord, we pray that we will walk in the light of your word. And what we receive today will stay with us, Lord. The enemy will not snatch it away from us. But we will keep, we will stick to this, we will cherish this. We will build our lives on the teachings of Christ. Thank you for your servant. Thank you for using uh, Pastor Wynne. In our midst today, Lord, we bless him. a church, we bless him. We bless his uh, family. We bless his children. We bless his home. We bless his resources. We bless his wealth, his health. Everything about his ministry, we pray. We speak an increase over him, Father. That we may rejoice at what you're doing. And Lord, um, thank you, Lord. Bless him, bless him, bless him. Thank you, Father. Come with each of us in your hands, Father. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Pa. We pray, uh, we we speak order, we speak um, divine order into our land, over our land. Lord, the confusion that is uh, trying to prevail over this land uh, will be brought to nothing, will be silenced, even as we heard today. We are in the kingdom of God, and we are not under any democracy. We are under the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that your rules, your decree will supersede. It will supersede, it will overturn the decrees of man it will silence the decrees of man Lord we will your people that your people may be able to gather together that your people may be able to come together and enjoy fellowship and uh, enjoy being together in the presence of God because great things are in store for for your church this year thank you Lord for what is is ahead thank you give you all glory and praise may your name be glorified in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen Hello, this is Nisha Koshi. I'm sure this podcast has blessed you. Do subscribe to our channel for more
1: messages and follow us on social media to stay connected. May God bless you.